Well, please, uh, please turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and remember we're, we're in the book of Acts, and we're talking about God's mission for his church, and we're in this, this first section of the book of Acts where we're talking about the witness and how the witness lays the foundation, and these things we're seeing in these chapters in the book of Acts are things that the church has throughout the, the church's history, that the, since the the, the beginning, the foundations here, and we'll talk about when the actual beginning of the church is. And uh, so the church has a mission. The church has apostolic authority. We saw that the first two weeks in our series. And today we're going to see that the church has the Holy Spirit. And all true biblical churches have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And let's begin reading God's word. And if you're able to this morning, you may uh, stand with me as we read the first 13 verses of Acts chapter 2. Verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. You may be seated. May God encourage us through the reading of his word this morning. And Heavenly Father, we do ask for your grace on us today as we look at this text. Help us to understand your word and your purposes for us in it. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. This is a very important passage for us to understand. Many denominations have have been formed just on the basis of their interpretation of of this passage alone. Here in Acts chapter 2, as we we look at these verses, we see a lot of very important things that are kind of foundational for the church, uh, foundational things, foundational truths about the the work of the Holy Spirit. And again, uh, different denominations have different interpretations of of how to understand what's taking place here. So here... uh, we, we see uh, that no matter how you would interpret what's taking place here, and again, uh, some denominations would see the work of the Holy Spirit here, and they would say, okay, what's happening here in chapter 2 in these first few verses? This is, this is normative. Uh, the way that the Holy Spirit operates here is the way that he's always going to operate in a, in a believer's life. And so just like the Holy Spirit, as he 
uh, came to the church in chapter 2 and allowed them to speak in these different languages, he's going to do that in his church today. That's how some people would interpret it, and according uh, to that interpretation, there's all these different denominations. Others of us, and I would put myself in this second group, would look at this passage and say, okay, what we see here is not exactly how this Holy Spirit is going to work in every situation, in every believer's life, at every point in time, in every place. He's not always going to enable us to speak in other languages, but what's happening here is pointing to a a larger truth. What this is telling us is that we always need the Holy Spirit to do the work that God has called us to do. We always need the Holy Spirit to do the work that God has given us to do. Every church and every place at every time needs the Holy Spirit. The problem that you and I have at times is that it's, it's possible to attempt to, to counterfeit the work of the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's possible for a church to do some things that, that look like the Holy Spirit is, is operating in it. A church can begin a new initiative, and as a church begins this new initiative, it, it looks like the, the Holy Spirit's behind it because it's new and, and it's exciting and, and good things are happening in it. Or a, a church can, can get together and, and can have a, a powerful worship experience, and people can be singing loudly, and, and there can be a, a very powerful message, and you can look around and say, okay, I, I guess the Holy Spirit must be at work here because exciting things are happening. Or in, in our own individual lives, sometimes we can have a, a counterfeit work of the Holy Spirit. We can have a, a family, and this family looks good, and you look at it from the outside and say, well, I, I guess the Holy Spirit is work at, at work in that family because they, they look good from the outside. I can be fooled into thinking that the Holy Spirit is working in my life or in my family because we're externally looking good. I mean, there are, there are pictures hanging up in my house where you look at that snapshot and you think, my, what an amazing family. Surely the Spirit is at work in this family. And I I know what happened when that picture was taken. I know what happened right before and right after. I know about the complaining, the arguing, the screaming, the tears. And and quite frankly, Whitney and the kids weren't much better, right? Right? Just because things look good or things, just, things have this, an appearance of the work of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is, is actually at work. And so what I want you to, to think about with me this morning is that there are, are some ministries, there is some work that that work can only be done by the enabling of the Holy Spirit. Counterfeit ministry can look good, counterfeit ministry can, can produce some, some good-looking things, but it's never going to be as satisfying, nor will its fruit be eternal like the real thing. The real thing requires the Holy Spirit. The real ministry of the church requires the work of the Holy Spirit. And kids, uh, you guys, again, you are doing a great job, and if you're, if you're taking notes this morning and uh, you haven't melted yet, Here's, here's kind of the main idea that I want us to think about together. You can write this down, and adults, you can do this as well. This is the main thing I want us to see as we look at these verses. The work of the church is impossible without the indwelling presence of the Spirit. The work of the church is impossible without the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. 
And what we're going to see is we're going to see the, the gift of the Holy Spirit given in the first few verses, and then we're going to talk about the ministry, the work of the Holy Spirit in uh, verses 5 through 13. So let's, let's first of all talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit in verses 1 through 4, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And uh, here, here's what happens. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, what's taking place here? What, what aspect of the ministry that the Holy Spirit engages in here is new? I think it's very important as we read these verses to understand it's not new that the Holy Spirit is present with his people. It's not new that he's at work. The Holy Spirit has existed from eternity past. The Holy Spirit has always been involved in the redemptive work of God. The Holy Spirit has, has always been, been at work. It's not like he just kind of sat around during the old covenant and wasn't doing anything. The Holy Spirit has always been ministering. For example, we know that in the Old Testament, people were dead in their sins. They needed life. People who were part of God's covenant people weren't regenerate. They didn't have new life. And the people who were spiritually dead in Israel were often called uncircumcised in their hearts or uncircumcised in their ears. God was talking about a spiritual uncircumcision. So, for example, in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 10, God is speaking to his people. and He says, look, their ears are uncircumcised. In other words, they don't have spiritual life. They're spiritually dead. It says their, their ears are uncircumcised. They cannot listen. Behold, the word of God, the word of the Lord is to them an object of scorn. They take no pleasure in it. And so people in the Old Testament, just like people today, were spiritually dead. We might refer to them as, as dead. Uh, the, the, new, the Old Testament would call them uncircumcised spiritually. And, and just like today, the people in the Old Covenant needed God to act, needed God to bring life. Second Chronicles chapter 30 talks about people coming to worship of the Lord, and verse 12 says, the hand of God was also on Judah to give them one heart to do what the king and the princes commanded by the word of the Lord. In other words, God, in the Old Testament, just like in the New, brought life so the people could be obedient. I did this thing this last week that often happens in my study. I, I found a really great book, but I found it on Wednesday. And I thought, oh, man, if only I'd found this book like three weeks ago. But I, I'm sure someone like Blake has, has mentioned this book to me before, but I didn't put it all together. But the book is by Jim Hamilton, and it's called God's Indwelling Presence, the Holy Spirit in the Old and New Testaments. And the the pages I was able to read just the, the past few days have been really, really good. But here's something that Jim Hamilton writes. He says, I contend that old and new covenant believers experience the awakening renewal that the Old Testament calls circumcision of the hearts or ears and that the New Testament calls being born again, being made alive and regeneration. So just like in the New Testament, just like now, the Holy Spirit was the one who brought life. 
That's always been the case. No one's ever been able to be obedient to God apart from God's work in their life, Old Covenant, New Covenant. You say, well, then what makes the New Covenant new? What, what is the Holy Spirit doing that's new? Well, remember what was promised. In the Old Covenant, God's people recognized the Holy Spirit was going to have a, a new work. Jeremiah 31, God promised that not just some of the members of the covenant community, but all the members of the covenant community would be regenerate, would have new life. Verse 34 of Jeremiah 31 says, No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. The Holy Spirit is also going to indwell people in a special way. That same passage in Jeremiah Verse 33, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. There's a special way in which God was going to indwell them. In the Old Covenant, in the Old Covenant, God dwelled in his temple and it was the temple where they found the presence of God. Leviticus 26, I will make my dwelling among you and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you and will be your God, and you shall be my people. God promised that the Holy Spirit would be with him in a special way. He was going to indwell them in a special way. So old covenant, he's there in the temple. And it's it's to the temple that people look and and can can see the presence of God, and God acts with his people. But but there's a promise of of God being with them in a new way. Ezekiel 11, he says, I'm going to give them one heart, a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh and that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. And so what's going to happen? The old, the old covenant says, look, the way that God is with his people, it's, it's going to change. It's, it's going to be deeper. It's going to be even greater. It's Jesus in John Chapter 7 puts it this way. This this is before the Holy Spirit has come, obviously, in the book of Acts. But Jesus says this, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then verse 39, John tells us, now, now this he said, this, this newness of a person being able to, to have the, the work of God coming out from within them, this he said, John tells us about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So the presence of God in the old covenant was going to, to change, it was going to be greater, the indwelling was going to be different in the new covenant a greater ability to walk in obedience to God and to have this life internally. John chapter 14, Jesus says to his disciples, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you in, with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. Now listen to what Jesus says here because I think John 14, 17 helps us understand the difference between the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Covenant and the work of the Holy Spirit in the New Covenant that begins here in Acts chapter 2. He says, he dwells with you, that's present tense, The Holy Spirit dwells with you and will be in you. That's future tense. So the disciples right now, the the Holy Spirit dwells with you. He's, he's, He's with you. His presence is with you. But he's going to be in you. There's going to be a a deeper, a deeper relationship, an an internal indwelling. 
was trying to think through this this past week, how to kind of describe these differences, what illustrations to use. And I think they all kind of fall short. I was, I was walking through the, the new building this, this past week, and I was kind of thinking about how I'm walking through this empty building, and yet someday, soon, <laughs> we're, we're going to be in there, and we're going to be, be together. God's people are going to be together. So it's, it's a building now, and all the walls are going to be the same, and those sorts of things, but, but there's going to be life inside of it. I thought, well, that's, that's not quite it. It's, it's deeper than that, because it's not like the Holy Spirit wasn't giving life beforehand. And I thought, well, well, maybe it's like this. And again, all analogies fall short. But maybe it's like during this, this period where we've been doing online church. And, and there are some, there's some life in online church. There's some, there's some sweetness to online church. We're, we're singing together, although we're separate. We're hearing God's word taught, although it's not the same as being together as it's taught. So there's, there's, there's a taste, and there's, there's fruit. There's good things that God is doing, yet it's not the fullness of, of God's people assembled. That's, that's future. As we come together, there's a, there's, a, there's a deepness, there's a richness to our, our dwelling together. As we think about what happens here in Acts 2, we see this new covenant being inaugurated. What God has promised is happening. And, and notice three things here. Let's look at the text. It says they're, they're together in one place, and then there's, there's something that they hear, and there's something they see, they see these tongues, and they, there's something that happens, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. It says it's the day of Pentecost, that's a feast that was celebrated 50 days after the Passover. It's the, the second of three festivals between Passover and the Feast of the Tabernacles. And it, when it says the day of Pentecost arrived, that word actually is, is fulfilled, and I think Luke is alerting to this fact that this thing has happened exactly when God planned that it would happen. This new covenant is arriving, and the key event is the arrival of the Holy Spirit on everyone who is part of the new covenant. Notice here it says that, that all of them begin to, to, to speak in tongues. All of them, the, the whole house is filled. Divided tongues as a fire appear to them. And, and notice he uses some similes here. This, it's not literal fire. It's not a, a literal sound that's a rushing wind, but it sounds like that. It, it looks like that. These are kind of some visual and, and sensory things. That it's like, but it's, it's different than that. That can kind of help us understand what's happening. And as the Holy Spirit comes, the the people who receive the Spirit, and again, this is all believers, all those who are part of the new covenant, begin to speak in other tongues. And the other tongues there are languages, as we see from the following verses. These are, these are, th these people have the ability to, to speak the words of, of other languages. The miracle isn't that people are able to hear them. It's not like they have some sort of special gift to allow them to hear some strange talking. No, these are actual, literal languages that they're speaking. It says, they speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them, them utterance. So the, the words that are coming out are these other languages. God directs their ministry. God enables them to do what he's called them to do. This is the promise that Jesus made at the end of the Gospel of Luke. It's a promise that Jesus made at the beginning of Acts chapter 1. This is God sending his, sending his Holy Spirit to enable them to do the work of proclaiming Christ and the mighty works of God that he had told them they were going to do. So is this the beginning of the church? Well, I think, I think yes and no. Certainly this is the beginning of the new covenant, new relationships. But 
we all, we've seen the people of God assembled and, and being called the church throughout all of the Old Covenant as well. But this is the, the fullness of what God has intended. Now, now here's some big principles here. Some big principles. First, we need to realize here the Holy Spirit indwells all believers. This is what's promised in Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel. The Holy Spirit indwells all believers. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. In one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greek, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Uh, this is the sign that, that shows that we're part of this new covenant. It's going to be the thing that, that freaks the Jews out later. Like, wow, the, the Gentiles get the Holy Spirit as well. They must be part of this, this covenant as well. All believers have the Holy Spirit. And second kind of broad principle here the Holy Spirit empowers all believers for God's ministry. Now, I don't think what's happening here is normative in all places at all times, not this specific type of empowering. And, and yet, and yet, this is what God uses at this time to, to reach these people. The, the broad principle is that whatever ministry God calls us to do, it's the Holy Spirit who does the enabling to allow us to be successful in it couple applications for us. One, we need to ask, do I have the Holy Spirit? We need to ask, do I have the Holy Spirit dwelling within me? Is what God promised in the old covenant is fulfilled in the new, is, is that true of me? Do I, do I have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit? You say, well, how can I know? Well, there's there's objective ways and subjective ways. Uh, objectively, we know that if a person places his or her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll be saved. They'll have the Holy Spirit indwelling in them. We can believe that. But there are also some subjective things that we can look at and say, okay, am I exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Do I see love, joy, pa uh, love, joy peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Are those things... Are those things exhibited in me and, and through me and through my ministry, through my relationships with others? Or is, is it the works of the flesh that I see? And then another application for us as we think about this, we need to grasp the, the gravity of the ministry burden that God has placed on each of us as part of his covenant community. What we see here is that it's not just a few special people who have the Holy Spirit. We don't just kind of look out at all of us who are gathered together this morning for worship, those of us who are joining us on the, on the live stream. We don't say, okay, well, maybe like one out of ten of us have the Holy Spirit, and those people should really step up. No, what we see is that each of us who are in relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ have been given the Holy Spirit. One of the strengths of our church, I think, that must remain a strength is the recognition that all of us have been called by God to do ministry. And we also, another application here is we need to rejoice in unity. We need to rejoice in the unity that, that God gives. What happens here now that's different than the old covenant is that all of us are, are regenerate. All of us who are here have been given new life. And, and so we need to act like it. Our, our church can weather a lot of things and a lot of difficulties if we walk in the Spirit. A church can get through a COVID crisis 
if despite our differences of opinion, despite our differences of, of political convictions, we are committed to living life in the Spirit. And for regenerate, for truly born again. A, a church that is full of regenerate members who are part of the new covenant is going to be a church that can weather any crisis together, is going to be convicted whenever disunity exists, is going to be quick to ask for forgiveness through the prompting of the Holy Spirit. A person who is not regenerate is not going to care about disunity, is not going to care about division, is not going to care about dissension, is not going to care about their own inability to walk in obedience. But those of us who have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ are going to be desirous of peace and unity and pursuing God's joy in our lives and in others. So that's, that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's talk here about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, just for a few minutes here. It says that, okay, so they've, they've received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and God has given them the ability to, to speak in these, these languages, to proclaim the, the gospel, to do what he's called them to do. And then verse 5 tells us there's dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, okay? So what I want you to keep in mind as we go through these next few verses is even though he's going to talk about a lot of different places, these are all Jews, the gospel has not yet gone to Gentiles. These are Jews, and they're, they're Gentiles who have become Jews, who are what they call proselytes. So these are, these are Jewish people who are going to hear what Peter says in the following weeks as we look at chapter 2. So they're in Jerusalem. They're dwelling there, perhaps for the time of feast. These are people who have been dispersed through different regions and now are dwelling here for some amount of time to be closer to the temple, and this, they, they hear this sound, there's this, this audible sound that they hear as well, and so they go and they try to see what's happened, and they're bewildered. Each one was hearing the, the, the people speak in his own language. I don't think it's just the 12, I think it's all of those who were gathered in the room, and they're amazed and they're astonished. We, we know that it's more than just the, the apostles, because later, as Peter quotes Joel, he's going to refer to men and women. So men and women are, are speaking in tongues here, speaking these other languages, and the people are amazed. Their attention is directed to the work of the Spirit as they hear the gospel proclaimed, the mighty works of God proclaimed in their own language. The ministry is directed to Jews who need to hear the gospel. And how do they respond? How do they respond? Well, we see two camps. We see some want to find out what this means. They, they see something extraordinary going on and say, okay, I want to I know what this means. We see others who mock. These guys and girls must be drunk with new wine. Perhaps the apostles, it's going to be interesting as we go through the book of Acts as they see the the ministry expanded. Perhaps they, they think, okay, this is what God intended. We got all these people from different places. We'll speak in, the, 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 in tongues in different languages. They'll go back to different places, tell the other Jews, and we're good to go. God's plan is going to go much, much deeper, right? Here's, here's some broad principles, and we'll talk about some applications, some, some broad principles from these verses. One, the ministry of the Holy Spirit produces visible external evidence of his presence, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not a, a hidden ministry. The, the ministry of the Holy Spirit produces visible, external evidence that, that he is living in us. The, the fruit of the, the Spirit, again, this, this produces things and, and it has a power that should draw people in. Secondly, we see here that the ministry of the Holy Spirit, this is true of all 
places and all times, the ministry of the Holy Spirit promotes the mission of the church. Now, I think this is a very important thing to think about. Sometimes when we think about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we have a very self-centered, very selective understanding of what the Holy Spirit should be doing. In, in our minds, the Holy Spirit works, and the Holy Spirit should be in my life to give me a certain emotion, or the, the Holy Spirit should be in my life to give me specific direction and a specific decision that I want. I, I want the, the peace of the Holy Spirit, or I want a, an experience of the Holy Spirit that is an emotional, emotional experience, but that's not how we see the Holy Spirit operating in the book of Acts. What's the mission of the church? What we talk about? The mission of the church is to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and to prepare his people to worship him forever. And the Holy Spirit, we see the work of the Holy Spirit does exactly those things. It helps us proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. It gives us boldness. It gives us wisdom. It gives us confidence. It gives us, the Holy Spirit gives us graciousness as we interact with those who do not know the Lord. The Holy Spirit is essential to to our ministry to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. And the work of the Holy Spirit is essential to prepare God's people to worship him forever. He's the one who enables us to, to grow in godliness. He's the one who convicts us of sin. He's the one who enables us to understand the scripture. And so often, so often, the things that we think of when we think of the Holy Spirit are not the things that scripture emphasizes here or really anywhere in Acts. We think about the Holy Spirit, and we think the quality. We think about the quality of a, of worship and music, or we think about the Holy Spirit, and we think about an inner feeling that that, that gives us, um, that gives us peace. And it's not that the Holy Spirit is disconnected from those things, but what I want you to see is that the Holy Spirit is is essentially his his mission is to do the mission that God calls the church to do, to enable the church to do that mission, to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, to prepare people to worship him forever as he works within us. And what I want us to grasp is that we cannot accomplish those things apart from him. We cannot accomplish the work of God apart from the Spirit of God indwelling us. A third broad principle we see about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the ministry, ministry of the Holy Spirit is to proclaim the glory of God. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is not to proclaim the glory of the church as individuals or an individual organization. The, the ministry of the Holy Spirit proclaims the glory of God. And that is one of the primary ways we can tell the difference between genuine, true work of the Spirit and counterfeit work of the Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, true, genuine ministry, is to pursue God's mission for his church and to proclaim the greatness of God. The disciples here are speaking about the mighty works of God, and God's disciples today, through the work of the Holy Spirit, continue to do that. A couple quick applications. One, I need to earnestly desire and pray for the genuine work of the Holy Spirit in and through me. I don't want to accept counterfeit ministry. I don't want to be deceived by my emotions. I don't want to be deceived by my own selfish desires. I want the genuine work of the Holy Spirit in and through me. Secondly, another application for us here in central Illinois, the, the ministry of Bethany Community Church is going to be a facade unless we are submitting to and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We do not want our ministries as individuals. We don't want our ministry as a community of, of faith to be fake. We want it to be genuine. 
The Holy Spirit's job, finally, is not to exalt any individual member, any individual believer, but instead to exalt Christ. And how, how easy it is for me to be tempted to, to confuse the two. Here I have this ministry, and I'm talking about God, and, and, and as, I'm, as I'm exalted, God will be exalted too, right? No, that's not how ministry works. The Holy Spirit's job is not to lift me up, not to proclaim my greatness, not to proclaim the greatness of any organization, but to proclaim and exalt Christ. The work of the church that God has called us to do, to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and to prepare his people to worship him forever, is impossible without the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. I would encourage you this morning, perhaps a good first question to ask is, is am I redeemed? Am I regenerate? Has the Holy Spirit brought life in my life? And, and perhaps the Holy Spirit is working on you even this morning to convict you of sin. And, and, and perhaps today would be the day of salvation where you cry out to God and say, God, I, I, I recognize my need for life and I'm trusting in Jesus Christ alone to bring that life. Or maybe this morning you say, boy, I, I am miserable I have a great deal of misery, and I believe that the reason for some of the misery that I'm, that I'm experiencing right now is, is that I'm doing life in the flesh. And this is not a joyful way in which to engage in ministry. I need to repent and turn back to God and ask for forgiveness and, and pursue life in the Spirit. Or perhaps it's just a, a morning in which you need to recommit your heart. Say, say, Father, thank you for the Spirit. Thank you for the Spirit that enables me to do the ministry that I could not do uh, apart from him. And, and Father, this morning I, I recommit my life to, to life in the Spirit, to being submissive to you and your will, and thank you for the work of the Spirit and continue to work through me. The work of the church is impossible without the indwelling presence of the Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the ability we have this morning uh, to walk in the spirit. Father, as we continue to go through Acts and, and see your spirit work, we, we pray that you would change us, you would transform us, you would conform us to the image of your son, Jesus. And we recognize that that process of, of conforming us to Christ is impossible without the spirit. And so, Father, bring your spirit. We know that we receive the Spirit through faith, and yet we know that it's, it's possible to continue to be uh, filled with the Holy Spirit as, as we continue to submit ourselves to you. And so fill us with your Spirit. Continue to allow us to walk in obedience to you. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.